I'm not great at being interrupted. I get very task-focused, too task-focused, some people might say. And I might miss making space for the people around me. I'm sure many of you have seen me rushing around on a Sunday morning, making sure there are snacks in the Sunday school rooms and coloring sheets in the back and printing and uh, making sure that everything is in place. One Sunday, someone came to my office and asked if I had a minute to talk about something, and I said no. Yet, they proceeded to follow me down the hallway and tell me about the thing they needed to talk about. Not my best moment. There is an intentional community in Australia that I worked with while I was there that will move into a neighborhood with the intent of being available to their neighbors, getting to know them and showing God's love through that presence. One of the key principles for them was being interruptible. Making space for the person who shows up in front of you. Henry Nowen, in his work, Reaching Out, says, a teacher once remarked, you know, my whole life, I've been complaining that my work is constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. In Mark's fast-paced gospel, we find this story of interruption today, where Jesus slows down and makes space to heal, restore, and save. Jarius interrupts Jesus's day, and then the woman then interrupts his trip to Jarius's house. Both interruptions turn out to reveal God's power and compassion. Jesus has arrived back on more Jewish turf after crossing the lake. A huge crowd gathers, and Jarius, who would have been like the president of the local synagogue, pushes through the crowd and falls at Jesus' feet. He begs Jesus to come and heal his daughter, who is at death's door, so that she may meet, be made well and live. And Jesus goes with him. The crowd is pushing in and following Jesus as he goes. People who have heard of the healings, teachings, casting out of demons, and even calming of storms. They want to see and be close to this man. Then a woman whose life has been interrupted by pain and bleeding for 12 years, with even doctors not able to help her, pushes her way through the crowd. 
She too had heard about this Jesus and thinks, if I can only touch the edge of his clothes, I will be healed. Unlike Jairus, who went in front of Jesus and boldly asks for what he needs, this woman approaches from behind and reaches out to touch Jesus. Some commentators say, stealing her healing for herself. Then we get two immediately's. First, the woman immediately feels the healing in her body. And the second, Jesus feels the power drained from him immediately. Let's sit with this for a moment. Have you ever felt so sick that it is almost impossible to move or think? All you can focus on is the pain. Imagine that changing in an instant. The pain is gone, your shoulders relax, and you feel like you can breathe and think. After 12 years, this woman is released. But it's also the reaction from Jesus. He is in a crowd, squished in from every side, touched by lots of people. But there is something about this woman reaching out and touching him. Jesus feels the power drain from him. The amazing thing is that Jesus doesn't leave it there and keep pushing on to heal the important man's daughter. He turns and looks for the woman, wanting to make contact with her. The woman has already been so brave. She's pushing her way through the crowd. Not only was she in pain, but her bleeding would have made her unclean and shunned in society. At one point, she did have money to spend on doctors, but now she has nothing left. Her power was small and her presence unwanted. Yet Jesus turns, seeking her out. The woman knows that she could be in trouble if people realize who she is. But even in her fear and trembling, she turns and speaks up to Jesus. What a gutsy move. We hear about these purity laws in the Bible. But I really started to understand this story and this passage when I was working on a street ministry in Australia. The church that I worked at had an alley at its back door. Because of the hidden nature of that alleyway, it was a key spot for drug use in the city. Heroin being the drug of choice at that time. 
Once I stood in that space with a coworker, and they told this Bible story. He said, the woman reaching out to touch Jesus would have been like a heroin user reaching out to touch with a needle. Most of us would recoil. But Jesus instead looks to engage. Where are the places and the people in our lives that we recoil from in fear and distaste? How might Jesus be modeling a reaction of compassion and listening? The woman identifies herself and tells Jesus her whole truth. Are we this honest with God about our lives and needs? Can we reach out to God even when that feels risky? Or do we feel like we are not good enough, holy enough, important enough, religious enough, not enough for God to make space to listen to our whole truth? Can we stand before God and tell our whole story, even when that might fill us with fear? And what healing might we be offered in that moment? Jesus calls her daughter, reestablishing her place in the community, affirms her faith, that it has been the active ingredient in her healing and sends her with a holistic piece of shalom. What an interruption. But this interruption is interrupted by the first request to Jesus. You gotta love Mark's gospel. It's written like a script, and it moves from one tension to another, building the story and the suspense. As Jesus talks to the woman, the news comes that Jairus' daughter has died. They are too late, so you might as well not have Jesus come, because what could he do now? Jesus turns to speak to the leader of the synagogue. His title and his power are referenced here, but Jairus's position cannot save his daughter. After Jesus just told the woman who was bleeding that her faith had made her well, he tells Jairus, do not fear, only believe. They go together, leaving the crowds behind and even kicking the mourners out of the house. We switch from a crowd to this intimate scene of Jesus, his closest friends, the parents, and the dead girl. Again, it is through touch that Jesus heals he takes the little girl's hand. This very act would have made him unclean. Touching a dead person made you ritually unpure. 
impure. <laughs> but through reaching out and touching, notice the echoes here of the first story. The girl is not only healed, but brought back to life. And we hear our next immediately as the girl gets up and walks around. This text invites us to pay attention to our bodies. Many times we walk into church and just want to be brains. Our tradition has trained us to be that way. But as we start to look at the bodies and the bodily nature of this text, I want you to do a body scan of your own body with me. So feel free to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that. I want you to think, can you feel your feet on the floor? Are your legs tired or antsy? What is your stomach communicating to you? Mine often tells me more about my emotions than just my need for food. Is there tension in your shoulders and arms? Breathe in and let yourself feel your stomach and chest expand and contract. Notice your neck holding up your head. Acknowledge the weight that it carries. And as you think about the clench in your jaw or the space between your eyebrows, see if it can soften. Our bodies are amazing things. I'm glad you showed up in yours today, along with all of your thoughts rattling around in your head. If you want, you can open your eyes again. For the woman who was bleeding, it was the sickness in her body that had set her apart from community. She felt that disconnect, and then the healing in her body, and Jesus did too. The young girl's body was failing and then failed. Not only did Jesus take her hand, making himself unclean, but then he attends to her body, saying, give her something to eat. Do we miss the awe in this moment? Jesus has just raised her from life, and then he makes sure that someone gets her a snack. Jesus did not come just for us to get our thinking and our theology right. When Jesus calls us to not fear and believe, he is calling us into fullness, into fullness of ourselves. What we feel is ju not just an interruption of our thoughts. God wants to enter into our whole being, our inner and outer selves. 
I want to be careful that you don't hear me saying that if you have enough faith, you will be healed. We don't know how many other faithful people were in the crowd that day who were not healed. But what is the inner and outer healing that we need? How do we approach Jesus and ask for that, beg for that, and reach out and grasp it? Do we approach Jesus for ourselves or for those who are vulnerable in our community, demanding Jesus' attention for them? And in opening ourselves to God, might we feel that shift in our bodies? What is tugging at your heartstrings today? What in these two stories that are sandwiched together stands out to you? How is your body reacting to the words of Jesus and maybe even the touch of another? What is the confession of your whole truth that you long to make? We hold this as we come to this prayer together. I'll invite you to join me at the end of each section. So many days we are like the blind beggar in Mark's gospel, sitting on the side of the road, hoping to hear the sound of your coming. We are like the Canaanite woman, begging for the crumbs that fall from your table. We are like the woman who was sick for so many years, who reached out to touch the hem of your garment. Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us when we cannot see how we will make it. Have mercy upon us when we are sick and cannot get well. Have mercy upon us when life hardens our hearts and makes it difficult for us to love, to heal, or to forgive. Have mercy upon us when persecution comes and when we are misunderstood. We come confident that your promise to be with us always is true. Confident that you are greater than the trials we face. Confident that we are secure in the palm of your hand. We come to you today like blind Bartimaeus who sat on the side of the road to Jericho knowing that you love us and have not forgotten our needs. Jesus Christ, Son of David, have mercy upon us and grant us your peace. Amen.